What's up, Ego Hackers? This is Chase with csjoseph.life, doing another episode for Season 22. This is Episode 13, What are the Cognitive Transitions for ISFJs? And uh, it's been a really good season so far. Had a lot of fun with the uh, INJ episodes, but we're doing ISFJ now, back in concrete land, uh, for all of you out there who are concrete. Um, I would like to take a moment, you know, to answer uh, to some of the criticism that I've been getting relating to ISFJs. A lot of people out there, possibly people who are ISFJs, who've been criticizing me about how I'm unfairly handling ISFJs and making them out to be, you know, horrible people, etc. The reality of the situation is, guys, I treat everybody basically the same. I mean, if you want to watch, you know, the the how do INTPs and INFPs compare to one another, you know, I bash both of those. I bash ENFPs. Uh, last two ENTP lectures I did, I bashed ENTPs pretty hard. That's my own type, for example. Um, I mean, ESTJs. It, really, if you actually spend the time to watch every lecture instead of just like watching a lecture that pertains to just you, you'll see that I treat everyone very fairly, and there is no preferential treatment in the long run. But you have to like have the patience to be able to watch the entire thing. And I'll understand if most people don't, but do yourself a favor. Don't judge me because you're not taking the time to watch all of the lectures and see the grand narrative as well as the purpose behind why I offer some negativity. A lot of people, you know, when they when they have to deal with negativity, they just turn their ears off, which just makes them, you know, more ignorant, etc. And that's not what I want. That's not what I'm trying to do here. It's not. Uh, I, my desire is that everyone listens. The thing is, is that I have to say the harsh truth. And if that makes me a bad person or if that destroys my credibility, then that's not my problem. That's technically your problem. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not here to just teach you what your itching ears want to hear. My job here is just to tell you the facts. I'm not here to be professional. I'm not here to be credible. I'm not here, like, honestly, it makes zero difference to me if you listen to me or not. You have to make that choice, you know. All I ask is that you just verify what I say. Just verify. Go take the type grid. Go take all this knowledge. Go out there in the world and test it. Play with it. Figure out what's true, false. Provide me feedback after you've tested it, etc. That's really important. And speaking of the test, our personality test is in beta. It's at version 1.2 right now, and it's going along pretty well. Uh, we've had a lot of feedback, and we're making improvements to. Uh, the assessment with every version, and I'd like to thank the members and the, uh, the the beta testers, as well as the development team who have done such a good job in putting it together. Uh, it's kind of interesting to see how there are people who absolutely love the personality assessment, and there are people who absolutely hate it. And I think that's so interesting because the people who are rational, they don't like being forced to, you know do deductive reasoning when their reasoning is deductive, you know, and that's, or, or when their reasoning is inductive, excuse me. So it's kind of nice to give everyone the opportunity to have that experience. So just want to give a little bit of a thank you. Uh, so anyway, on to cognitive transitions for ISFJs. So the ISFJ is known as the knight personality type. They're very traditional. Um, and uh, all about safety, duty, honor. They're also the most common of all the types. They're also, especially in women, they're extremely common in women. I think that's why statistically, the most mothers out there are SFJs, especially ISFJs. Um, 
And ISFJs are amazing people. Honestly, I, I actually endeavor to be more like ISFJs. And in my, and this is just an opinion of mine, I don't think this is necessarily a fact because, I mean, if you're going to look at things on paper, an ISFP could technically outwork an ISFJ, but I have experienced more ISFJs outworking everybody else. So in terms of, like, which type is the most hardworking, on paper it's ISFP, but uh, in reality, based on my personal biased anecdotal evidence with my experience, ISFJs are the greatest hard workers, and I I really am so thankful for them. I mean, I have an ISFJ on my team, my mother is an ISFJ, my mother-in-law is an ISFJ, and these three ISFJs in my life really contribute to me. They help me, you know, not take advantage, be taken advantage of in certain situations. They help my, sometimes my, my expert intuition hero can be very arrogant, and their expert intuition, aspirational, helps me, nice dog, uh, helps me, uh, you know, stay on track, because it's like, well, hold on, your any hero might think that's desirable to people, but no, that's not, and it's nice to have that, like, concrete thing, and kind of like what I talked about in the recent season 18 episode, or I know, the recent uh, Ruby conference, uh, also known as the Cutting Edge show, because we're renaming it pretty soon, uh, Within the context of this show, uh, we talk about camaraderie. And at least for me, having that camaraderie relationship with an ISFJ is so key. Because let's be honest, I'm prone to being lazy. I'm prone to you know, getting stuck in my comfort zone. And while ISFJs can get stuck in their comfort zone, it's really nice that you know, ISFJs are good examples to me to show me that, hey, they're really hardworking and being judged by an ISFJ when I'm like lazy in their eyes because they see that I have the capacity to work hard just like them because they see that I have an ISFJ inside of myself and that's important. But at the end of the day, like what, what's reality about? Well, reality of the situation is, is that I could be working harder. So just want to give a good thank you to all the ISFJs out there who work really hard. Although... Stop being obligated to the wrong people or the wrong systems or the wrong belief system or, you know, because you're just going to have a really lame life and you guys need to have more self-respect, you know what I'm saying? But that's kind of why we're having this lecture right now. I think the general theme of this lecture is, you know, cognitive transitions as well as four sides of the mind, but it's really kind of about self-respect, you know, how ISFJs can have a little bit more self-respect. We're talking about strengths and weaknesses and kind of going into the details here. A little bit of content from Season 19, but uh, not so much. Uh, we're just going to look at the mechanics, the base uh, mechanics uh, as to how these things work. So, uh, And also, guys, if you want to stay up to date on Season 18, make sure you have uh, at csjoseph.life forward slash typegrid. You've put in your email address there so you can be getting uh, Season 18 mailed to you every month. Otherwise... You will not be able. You will not be able to uh, see those lectures, and that's pretty sad, you know, because I have no idea how long it's going to take for those to actually be released to the public. I think it might be a year and a half at least. And we already have five episodes out, and if you're missing out on those episodes, well, that sucks. 
And if you unsubscribe to our email ad, you know, our email list because, oh no, C.S. Joseph is spamming me. Well, if you unsubscribe, you don't get those lectures. So it's kind of like a toss-up, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, so back to ISFJs. So on the type grid, where are they on the type grid? They are, they're informative, responding, outcome, very outcome focused. They do things that they're going to have a really good outcome. They like to have a plan, but let's be honest, they're bad at planning. So they need other people in their life to help them make the plan and to be told that, hey, I want you to do this plan. And the ISFJ does that plan and then they execute that plan. They want to get recognition for doing that plan. It's really important. Super, super important. But, you know, they're a crusader type. They do nice things like follow plans. They end up potentially covert contracting people, which is not exactly a good thing, you know. I always get afraid of being covert contracted, especially by my mother-in-law, because she's probably the nicest, most helpful person I've ever met, uh, except my wife's, you know, way higher on that scale than her mother, for sure. But her mother is, you know, outside of my wife, her, uh, her mother is like one of the most extremely helpful, loyal, giving people that I know. But I always, you know, inside myself, I get afraid that, like, wait a minute, hopefully there's not strings attached. But she doesn't covert contract. She doesn't. She, she actually tells us what she would like in return. And it's very clear every time. She, and it's always been consistent. She says, just please take care of me in my old age. Please. You know, that's, that's what she wants. And you know what? That's fair. And I'm glad that, you know, when a crusader like an ISFJ, especially with TI Child, and they're not like being sneaky, kind of like what ESFJs can do with their TI inferior. An ISFJ is at least, you know, when they're not scared and they can just be honest with you, they can tell you the truth of what their expectations are so there's no covert contract manipulation. And I, I'm very thankful for that. Now, that's not to say that, you know, my mother-in-law is not somebody who covert contracts people. I mean, sometimes it can happen uh, like with, you know, inviting certain members of the family to certain family events. Um, and it's not really about us. It's more about, you know, her trying to have her complete family to show off to the rest of the family because ISFJs love showing off their family to other people, at least ISFJ mothers, you know, in this particular case. Don't really have much experience with ISFJ fathers, but I am thankful to have an ISFJ father on my team and a very dedicated individual, especially to his children, and very, very loving fellow. I, um, it's funny, like, uh, when I try to get to a point where, you know, it's like, hey, wow, there's like a lot of boats in that river down there. Dang, that's nice. I kind of want to go in the water, you know what I'm saying? So... But, uh, you know, when, when I'm parenting my own children, you know, it, it's nice to be able to follow that, that example and that, that loving kindness and that, that caring, that nurturing capability that's just there regardless of male, female, or anyway. You know, the ISFJ, like I said, they're hardworking, not just in their careers, but also when it comes to parenting and the family. So, anyway, just a little bit of additional perspective. Yeah, they can put their faith in wrong things. Yeah, they can be harbingers of injustice. Yeah, they can cause a lot of problems for people. But at the end of the day... I think the benefits outweigh some of the drawbacks. And as long as you criticize them for the drawbacks, their FI critic will take responsibility and force them to take responsibility so that then their FE parent is in play and getting in the way of their TI child and their SI hero, right?
because left unchecked, ISFJs can develop really bad habits that lead them into hedonism, for example, and that's not appropriate. If you want to learn more about that, I recommend getting into season 19. I think it's episode 14. Season 19, episode 14 in the members area right now because that uh, helps you become the best ISFJ you could possibly be. And that's, you know, very, very important, etc. Uh, like, but anyway, we're going to continue on. Um, sorry, I'm just a little distracted with a hose and people in the water right now. It's actually really nice out. Even though it's overcast, it's like super hot outside. It's like 85 degrees right now, so pretty nice. So with that being said, uh, they're very behind the scenes. ISFJs like to be in the shadows, um, and uh, they're also very systematic. Got to find the best way to do something, best methods. ISFJs, when they do research to find the best methods to do things, they really can. And as long as you give them the system, or they, they'll adopt that system if they know what's going to give them the outcome of success. And I think that's one of the reasons why they're so hardworking is because once they have their faith in a particular system or method or way of doing something, they're going to go all out because they want so desperately to have the experience of that really positive outcome. It means everything to them, you know. It really, really means everything to them. And I think that's very valuable. Uh, and that's one of the things that, you know, I was able to learn from, you know, that kind of dedication. I think also, like, you know, Bruce Lee being an ENTP with developing his ISFJ side and, and you know, his crowning achievement, uh, the Tao of uh, Jeet Kune Do and creating JKD as a martial arts style, etc., and creating that martial arts system. That system, uh, you know, it's his magnum opus. It's who he was, and it, and it was him, you know, rising to ISFJ subconscious, and he had ISFJs in his life that were examples to him and that hard-working capability for him to have that dedication, you know. In terms of reliability and dedication, uh, ISFJs exemplify that more than anybody else. And it's important to ENTPs like myself or Bruce Lee or Benjamin Franklin or, um, you know, Malcolm X, etc., to really understand that dedication so that we don't get into, you know, hedonism ourselves in as much as ISFJs can get into hedonism. That's like a serious issue. So... But, you know, the four sides of the mind, ego, they have ISFJ, which is the knight. Their uh, subconscious is the ENTP rogue. That's why ISFJs can be roguish sometimes, willing to break the rules because it's like I've been following the rules the entire time, my entire life, and I didn't get much out of it. So now I'm going to covert contract life and covert contract the rules, and I'm going to break the rules when it suits me later, and that causes them to be more pragmatic. And I, I applaud ISFJs for doing that. I think that's incredible every time they do it. I, it's really incredible to see an ISFJ break the rules because they realize that breaking the rules is doing the right thing. That just because people agree on something is true or false or agree that it's the best way to do something, it may not necessarily mean that that's actually the case. And their TI child demands that they, you know, verify that. But then their TI child becomes more parental within their ENTP subconscious when they're aspiring and they're willing to break those rules to get a better future for others and themselves simultaneously. I mean, why not? So I always have a, a fond... Uh, respect for ISFJs who are able to actually do that. And then they also have their ESFP uh, uh, unconscious, which makes them pretty funny. They can actually have some really good jokes, uh, which is which is great. And then they have their um, 
their their superego, their demonic side, um, which is INTJ's superego, which is also pretty scary, but also very amazing because when it's reached mastery, it gives the ISFJ the ability to master any skill that they need in order to fulfill the purpose for their life. That could even be like protecting others and whatnot. And that's the thing. ISFJs pick up skills and they keep those skills over time. Uh, but whatever skills they have, it's all based on what the need of the moment is. Okay. Uh, you know, whatever the needs of the moment are, whatever they have, it's not necessarily all about, uh, it's not necessarily like, you know, or something that they want later is, I guess, the, tr the point I'm trying to make. It could be something that they want later. Uh, so, based on that, I wouldn't judge uh, ISFJs when they're lacking in skills. It's just that they lack experience, and there really hasn't been an external need for them to have that skill. That's another thing. Sometimes I find ISFJs are often judged for not having a skill, and then their opportunity to learn a new skill and take on that skill is taken away from them because they don't already have it, which is a catch-22 if you think about it. Just imagine people, you know, getting jobs, and ISFJs are more than capable at learning any skill that's given to them, and they can do it, but then they're overlooked because they don't already have the skill, and it's like, well, come on, man, give me an opportunity to learn. Because for them, they'll learn a skill, but only, not necessarily for themselves, but for other people. It's like an ISFJ learning how to cook, for example, or picking up a new cooking skill, right? Skills within their grasp, you know, but uh, sometimes... You know, yeah, some of their skills could be selfish, but for the most part, it's usually not selfish. It's usually learning for the sake of other people. You know, and when it comes to a job, they're going to learn whatever skill is necessary to become successful at it. But then that also increases their reliability because, you know, you have someone who's hardworking, you have someone who's dedicated, and you have them picking up new skills, you know, because INTJ, superego, when their trickster is becoming a more of a master function, they're able to pick up those skills in that regard. And that's really how an ISFJ is able to reach mastery. They just have to pick up skill after skill after skill. Even skills that break the rules. Even skills that people wouldn't agree with. Imagine an ISFJ social engineer or an ISFJ hacker, for example. An ISFJ rogue, right? An ISFJ master thief, right? Some of these things are really necessary. Well, you know how I know? It's because that's what Robin Hood was, right? Robin Hood, ISFJ, Major, uh, Crusader, um, or maybe he was an ENTP, one of the two. But he was a Crusader type, and he was either an ENTP-focused and developed ISFJ, or he was an ISFJ-developed and focused ENTP. I kind of think the ISFJ uh, main is probably, probably better, but I don't know enough about... Robin Hood per se, but definitely a crusader type and definitely one of those two types. But regardless, you know, the roguishness of willing to break the rules for the sake of others because of the injustice of those rules and how those rules harm other people, I mean, that's, ES, that's ENTP subconscious right there. And it's amazing to see someone so affiliative willing to break the rules for the sake of others, rob the rich, you know, to, to feed the poor, that kind of thing. And that's how they are. They will learn whatever skills necessary to be able to provide that rebellious defiance that actually also oxymoronically creates justice, right? 
a form of social justice if you think about it. Rob the rich to feed the poor because the rich are exacting these insane taxes and destroying people's lives. I'd imagine it was similar principles that really uh, motivated uh, Benjamin Franklin in starting the uh, Revolutionary War, the American Revolution, because that entire war was masterminded by Benjamin Franklin. He was the brains behind it, and he put it together, and he worked with the Sons of Liberty. He also had his own privateer, which is like a pirate ship that would loot ships, you know, while also being a spy and a diplomat himself, right? And a media man. And he ran, he was a media mogul for, you know, the Rupert Murdoch or the Ted Turner of, uh, of the day, right? That was Benjamin Franklin. And he was able to be that guiding hand uh, that, uh, that guided uh, where people were, you know, within the revolution. Again, from that whole Robin Hood-esque point of view, right? So that's kind of what ENTP subconscious is all about, right? It's kind of interesting how the types can exhibit certain tendencies and certain uh, behaviors when they're all part of the same quadra. You see what I'm saying? So anyway... So, four sides of the mind, there are chaotic transitions, there are orderly transitions, how you can use the four sides of the mind. You really want to develop the four sides of the mind because, guess what, if you don't develop the four sides of the mind, then you're going to be disintegrated. Your mind is just going to be falling apart. You need to bring your mind together. You need to have a lot of internal harmony. Otherwise, there's internal chaos, and this internal chaos leads to, for example, sin nature or... Uh, you know, bad behaviors, bad habits, right? This is what could cause an ISFJ to end up becoming a drunk or someone who gambles all the time. They wouldn't ever do that, but because they're around people in their life, they mimic those people. Just like how uh, an INFJ, when they're around corrupt people, they become corrupt themselves because they mirror those people. An ISFJ has it harder. It takes longer for an ISFJ to adopt those bad habits, uh, you know, but eventually they do because they mimic people around them. And when those people are gone and no longer in their life, well, the ISFJ keeps those habits and they have to, they have to reset, you know. And the only way, really, for an ISFJ to get out of that is through a process of penance. Uh, and how they can actually use this penance, well, the how-to is basically a form of fasting. They need to fast. In fact, crusader types need to learn how to fast. And I'm not just talking about fasting from food, which would be very useful to a crusader type. I'm talking fasting from media, fasting from social media, fasting from certain people, you know? Taking like a two to four week break from a certain behavior, a certain food, a certain habit, and then all of a sudden their brain chemistry changes and they don't have that need anymore. That's why ISFJs, while it seems like they have the hardest time cold turkey quitting smoking cigarettes, the reality situation is they have enough self-discipline that they could actually do almost anything cold turkey and it won't matter anymore. That's, that's an amazing ability that they have. And through sheer discipline, they can actually, you know, force their brains to change, neural pathways, brain chemistry, all of that, pretty easily through their SI hero and their FI critic, combine those two things together and be able to effectively outgrow any of those bad habits, bad behaviors. They can lose it. They just have to force themselves to fast from those behaviors. Super critical. 
You know, and I actually saw this in a, an ISFJ cousin-in-law of mine before he actually divorced my uh, ESTP cousin, which he should have, because she was bad news for him, and I don't blame him. But the point is, within their relationship, uh, he ended up having to fast from a lot of their bad behaviors, because she was always going to the casino, getting him to gamble, waste their money. And then after a while, his FI critic just felt so, you know, irresponsible, and he didn't want to feel that way about himself anymore, so he just stopped. And then his wife would be going to the casino by herself. But, you know, that's what led her to cheat on him, you know. And interestingly enough, I knew she uh, cheated on him, you know, multiple times before then, but, you know, it... But because he fasted, he had self-respect, he was able to let go. He was able to completely let go of those bad behaviors, those bad habits, which is excellent. Until the next woman in his life came along and got him back into that pattern. And then she also cheated on him in the same way. It was an ESFP this time. It's two SE heroes that cheated on him. Poor guy. But you know what's interesting, though? He's still, he's still stuck by them. He's still... He still loved them up until he got divorced with the one, and the other, he's just kind of, you know, gone out of his way to, you know, do what he can. He has this amazing endurance about him, you know. But the thing is, is that he can endure for the wrong thing or for the wrong reason. ISFJs are systematic. Because of that, they become loyal to the wrong thing. They're not aware as much as what other people are getting out of certain things versus what they themselves are getting out of. Because here's the situation: if you're systematic and people are involving you in a situation of some kind and they're getting more out of it than you are, you're automatically being manipulated. Well, luckily, he was able to develop that skill over time and then use his TI child and just, you know, in the icy sort of truth, basically, and cut his ESFP wife down to size and got her to realize that she was being really selfish and, uh, you know, being a hedonist, essentially someone who lacks self-respect and what's great about their marriage is that they you know <laughs> it worked she listened to him she realized that she was wrong and she realized that everyone thought of her as this hedonist everyone thought of her this way which is a serious issue you know so I'm just gl I'm glad they're still together they've been together shoot 15 years now long time uh, and uh, They've had a really good relationship ever since he started asserting, you know, asserting himself in that way and realizing he didn't want to have those bad habits anymore. And he started fasting. You know, and if his woman, at first, she tried to get in the way of him fasting from those behaviors, but for some reason, you know, he's like, uh-uh, you're not going to get in the way of me having self-respect for myself. You see what I'm saying? So... And that's really the, the, the best example I can give, you know, as to why cognitive transitioning into the ISFJ ego is so important. It's absolutely critical. Gosh, I hope the sound's okay, because it's like super windy right now. But it's absolutely critical. And it's critical because everyone starts out cognitive looping in their life. They, their, their parent function is underdeveloped, which basically means... You have the SI hero and the TI child teaming up and doing things together, which it's not healthy. It's not healthy for anyone to do that. 
and the parent function is not there to enforce responsibility within the ego. This is why people are irresponsible. For an ISFJ, it's like, okay, it's true I want this experience, it's true I want that experience, it's true I want to experience this, it's true I want to experience that. And that leads an ISFJ down the path to hedonism. It leads them down the path to idolatry, where they have idols, like snorting cocaine, for example, or many sexual escapades. And it's all about nurturing themselves in an unhealthy way instead of actually making themselves strong to nurture other people. That's the main issue. But oftentimes, ISFJs don't, are not really um, aware that this happens, you know? So what do you do in that situation? Well, you need to be more responsible. Because oftentimes, when an ISFJ is having these hedonistic tendencies, they're not really seeing how it's having negative consequences on people around them. And that's how you get an ISFJ to snap out of it. It's like, hey, you got to go up to him, criticize him, and be like, yo, what you're doing, while it's very fun, it's very socially irresponsible. You're being a bad example to your children. You're being a bad example to, you know, your, your wife, for example, or uh, you're being a bad example to people at church, or you're being a hypocrite because of this. You have to really sit down with them and tell them how their behavior is turning them into basically a bad person, right? Because of this irresponsibility. And then eventually they understand that there is social consequences and then that causes them to be a little bit of a, you know, afraid. And they're already dealing with fear because they're an SI user, right? ISFJs are all about fear and managing fear and managing faith. The problem is, is that they end up putting their faith into hedonism and then that ends up harming other people. Like, for example, let's use this ISFJ cousin-in-law of mine. He, uh, he would uh, spend all his money that he'd make, his entire paychecks at the casino, on the day that he got paid, every time, between alcohol consumption and uh, potentially other drugs. Not really sure about that. Uh, but it was always you know, alcohol and gambling at a minimum. And he would basically have this huge problem. So based on that, based on that, it's, he wouldn't let it go. He wouldn't let it go until basically, you know, for example, he realized it was damaging his mother, it was damaging his father, it was damaging his children. Uh, even though his wife kind of introduced him to that lifestyle, etc., he still had to take responsibility for it because it didn't really matter who started at that point. He had to be the one to take responsibility and handle that situation well as a man, etc. And luckily he did. He realized that he was being socially irresponsible. Well, he was rewarded with his responsibility, actually, because his boss, who trusted him you know, to be like a foreman uh, at this construction company, because he's a hard worker and he gained all the skills, eventually his boss trusted him with the entire company just because this ISFJ was being more responsible. And he basically inherited this company from this man. It's one of the biggest uh, concrete uh, companies in Seattle, basically. And uh, he did very, very well uh, for himself, all because he decided to make decisions based on responsibility. When it's like, okay, I think I want to have this experience, and he started asking himself, well, wait a minute. What's going to happen to other people? How is this going to affect others? You know, is this, is this socially responsible? Is this acceptable behavior? No, it's not acceptable behavior. And as soon as he aligned his, uh, 
his experiences and his thinking and where he's putting his faith in and what systems he was using and aligning it with what's a bit more socially acceptable, that's what caused him to be perceived as someone who's very responsible because he was behaving responsibly, such that he was given a multi-million dollar company. And he's running it to this day, being super successful. He's an amazing man. You know, I, I have the utmost respect for him, and I'm very thankful to have known him, you know. So that's an example of someone using, you know, learning responsibility with their hero function, etc. right? That's an example of what that is. Um, and then beyond that, you know, uh, there's the subconscious, right? When you're cognitive transitioning your subconscious, you could do it in a fearful way, or you could do it in a faith-based way, or, you know, lacking in fear, right? A courageous way, fear versus courage, right? Really important. And this is done through the second gateway. You know, the second gateway is the inferior function. For the ISFJ, that's extrovert intuition inferior. And that's being afraid of being unwanted. Now, we've been talking about hedonism, right? Well, why does an ISFJ go to the casinos? Why do they end up taking on these bad habits? Another reason, other than, you know, they could be cognitive looping because their parent function is underdeveloped and they're just being irresponsible. The other motivation for it is because they're so afraid of being unwanted that they're like, well, I don't want to be boring. I don't, I don't want my wife to value me less because I'm perceived as boring and I'm worried about, you know, not performing well. I'm worried about being boring. So I'm just going to go with her. Yeah, I may be like an ass, you know, while I'm doing this, but, you know, I'll get through it. I always get through it. I can endure anything, you know. And then they, they go behave poorly because they just want to be wanted. And they're so afraid of being unwanted that ISFJs can succumb to peer pressure pretty easily. And, you know, that's, that's basically how they're manipulated. They're manipulated through peer pressure and being made to feel unwanted. And they carry these feelings of unwantedness with them every single day of their life. It's very painful because they remember every single time they've ever been unwanted, right? It's not so hard for an SE user because an SE user is like, yeah, I was abandoned once, yeah, they're disloyal, but it's not relevant anymore because I don't have any reminders in my life of that person and how they treated me or whatever. But an ISFJ, an ISFJ carries that pain with them every single day. And they just can't get away from that pain. That pain becomes something that's a part of them. And it takes so, it takes the opposite of pain. It takes so much pleasure, basically, and good experiences and positive experiences in their lives to actually heal them from that pain. That's why ISFJs have the uh, reputation of being so bitter all the time, super bitter. And it's really annoying. Now, with that being said, uh, you know, when it comes to their extra intuition inferior, doing a, uh, a very chaotic, um, you know, transition, they can be really roguish, and uh, they end up breaking the wrong rules for the wrong reasons. Where it's like, okay, hey, you know, I'm not, I'm robbing rich to feed the poor because I'm seeing myself as the poor person. And I'm taking all that. You know what I'm saying? Which kind of feeds into their ESFP Wayfair side a little bit. You know, they're more open to breaking the rules for their own personal gain because, you know, they're afraid or they're willing to succumb to peer pressure, like I just said. You know, that's a serious problem. But when an ISFJ is no longer afraid of being unwanted, you know, uh, 
things end up happening differently. And this is why we talk about how they, they end up experimenting with pragmatism. They experimenting in their life and they experiment uh, with breaking the rules, for example, testing the rules to make sure that the rules are actually socially responsible themselves, that the rules are based in actual truth or not. Similar to what an ESTP does with checking out the structural integrity, but what the ISFJ is trying to figure out is if the rules, not necessarily if they're relevant right now, but if they will stay relevant. The ISFJ is testing rules to see if those rules will be relevant later or tomorrow or benefiting people in the future, right? And if they're not benefiting anyone tomorrow, if they're not benefiting future generations, the ISFJ will see that as an injustice and go out of the way to destroy those rules and break those rules. It'd be kind of like how an ISFJ doesn't appreciate the fact that in the United States of America, the government in past generations sold future generations downriver with debt slavery, for example. Kind of like how in 2005, when subprime mortgage loans were out, there's also subprime student loans. And those subprime student loans, no one did anything for students. No one. And it's because the desire of the government is to control students and thus control society that way because debt slavery through student loans, you can't, you can't get bankruptcy. There is no jubilee for it. No, there's no way to get out of it. In some cases, and there's been reports of people that get thrown in jail for it and, and treated so horribly because of their, um, you know, their inability to pay the student loans. My student loans had 9.6% interest rates on them. I paid them off because I had my retirement I drained my retirement and paid it all off instantly. And now I'm subject to a lot of taxes because of that, but that 9.6% is far worse than whatever interest rate that would be levied on me, you know, uh, in any other capacity. So I just had to take the risk. And it's, it's very necessary to do so, right? Well, an ISFJ would see that and they would hate that with their ENTP subconscious and make sure that people either don't live their life that way or they would get into a position of government to make sure that that never happens again because it's an injustice and they would believe it is their duty to do so, right? As I hear a duty. And the thing is, is that they realize that because they're doing these things, they become way more desirable. You know, succumbing to peer pressure may make you desirable for a time, but then everyone's just going to see you as your little bitch, as their little bitch, basically. You're being their little bitch and they lose respect for you because you're succumbing to peer pressure. You know how easy it is in some cases to peer pressure an ISFJ into having sex? It's so easy, you know? Of course, if you know what buttons to press, it's probably easy for all the 16 types, but it's really easy for an ISFJ um, because they so desperately want to have acceptance and if you can identify one that is lacking in acceptance in their life and you provide acceptance and through acceptance and peer pressure, you know, you got them because they have FI credit. They already feel bad about themselves to begin with. So they're more really, you know, they're more willing to get through it. It's like, you know, how many ISFJ porn stars are there out there? Many of them. How many ISFJ strippers are out there? Many of them. And they all hide it so well. They hide it so, so well, but they do it because they so desperately want to be accepted. They so desperately want to be desired, right? But sometimes their, their, uh, their sense of tradition and they can be responsible for their parent function, that can protect them from that lifestyle. 
but if they're super underdeveloped, they could be easily taken advantage of. I think that's one of the reasons why the education system of Western society is set up the way it is. Because really all the education system does is just distract people long enough so that they're underdeveloped by the time they leave the education system so that they're more prone to, you know, getting into behaviors like prostitution or pimping or stripping or those kinds of things because society has just made them that desperate. Society has also increased the selfishness of various people such that families don't want to live together anymore and there's no multi-generational advantages being made available to children anymore, which makes parenting harder, which makes thus everyone is outsourced to the government for their education, which makes the populace easier to control and makes it harder to even have a family. And I'm not necessarily making an argument for the nuclear family. I'm making an argument for a multi-generational family, having a shared parentage of children, you know, because statistically that's the most successful form of parenting when there's multiple adults contributing to the parenting of a child, which we are exploring a lot in season 23. But yeah, there's just, there's just so much more to it than that, though. So yeah, uh, so fasting um, is for uh, you know being responsible uh, when you're cognitive transitioning for your ego, <coughs> and then <coughs> and then realizing that um, you know for when you're cognitive transitioning for your ENTP subconscious ISFJs, make sure you're focused on. Sheesh. Make sure that you're focused on, uh, you know, being properly desirable. Don't make yourself desirable to the wrong people. Stop being afraid. Because here's the thing, if you're helping other people, if you're actually being reliable, if you're learning those skills, taking those skills, if you're actually helping other people, then what business do they have complaining about you? What business do they have not wanting you anymore, right? It makes no sense, right? So if then they don't want you, then they're just using you. You need to cut that person out of your life and stop being obligated to the wrong people. You know, and that's why ISFJs often get obligated to the wrong people, the wrong systems, because it's like, well, I want to be desired. Well, how about ISFJs? You increase your own personal strength and your integrity, your own endurance. Stop avoiding pain in life so that it makes you stronger, because the stronger you are, the more desirable you are. This is why it says in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, Consider it all happiness. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials and tribulations in your lives, which means obstacles, pain in life, etc., so that it will build within you endurance and steadfastness, so that you will be uh, a complete human being lacking nothing, which is the definition of holiness. Holiness in an ISFJ, basically, being complete and lacking nothing, you know, having cognitive integration, having that personal fortitude, that personal strength, the ability to endure all hardship and be reliable regardless of pain in life, that's what an ISFJ is. How is that, how does that not make them desirable? It makes them the most desirable. So what business do you have being afraid, right? So face your problems head on, suffer, it gains you wisdom, it gives you strength, strength of character especially, and through that strength you become the most desirable of us all. So what business do you have in being afraid? Right, And then the third side, uh, the third cognitive transition, is getting over their, their worry or their uncertainty. ISFJs are uncertain about their performance, right? 
and they are they always consider themselves okay should I be performing more than I am you know and the reason why is because they have expectations that people make them comfortable and uh, expectations that people are performing for them as well uh, because if they're desirable that means others should be performing for them well sometimes they worry that in having that expectation of people performing for them that they're not performing for other people that they're not mimicking properly and this can lead to an ISFJ overcompensating in their life right through this cognitive transition but if they are able to learn how to get over their uncertainty right and be certain of their performance then it's not an issue and how how is that possible well again the same thing developing their personal strength and endurance gives them experience the more experience an ISFJ has the more skills that they collect the more books that they read the more research that they do the more that they verify with their TI child in their life the more they live their life based on the truth and not necessarily what's acceptable per se within reason within responsibility of course that they know that they could perform in anything so then that uncertainty goes away right because it's like I have experience you know I can always figure it out and if they just keep that that confidence that you know no matter what life throws at me I'll be able to endure it and eventually I'll master it this allows them to uh, have to get over their uncertainty and then this gives them the ability to you know become wise it also gives them the ability to stop devaluing themselves because it's like hey I got a lot of experience I have a lot of skills I help a lot of people they give me recognition for what I do I can't I don't have to worry about my performance anymore I can perform my way through anything I'm systematic I can get through I can always create a system and figure out the best way to make something work and it's true it really comes down to whether or not ISFJs have the guts to put faith in themselves instead of and faith in their own fortitude for example instead of putting faith in other people or in other systems or methods or or anything like that it's when they get to the point where they have that faith in themselves because they can remember with their long-term memory everything that they've already been through and it's like well I've already been through this this is really not that bad I don't have to worry about my performance here because I've already experienced it the worry the uncertainty really comes through cognitive orbit for example when they're lacking experience but that's the thing ISFJs you have to throw yourself at things that you lack experience in throw yourself out of your comfort zone and trial and error your way sometimes ISFJs aren't willing to do that because they're worried that they're going to fail but you have to get over that you have to be okay with failure crusader types learn through trial and error and experimentation so why not experiment it's super important ISFJs you need to experiment you need to be okay with experimentation because experimentation is going to make you more desirable it's going to give you more strength and capabilities it's going to allow you to uh, you know not put yourself at risk through peer pressure it's gonna you're never gonna have to worry about your performance for other people and then be based on that that gnawing at the back of the head as to whether or not that's telling you that you're a bad person or telling you that's not worthy worthy enough it's like actually I am worthy enough because I've done all of this stuff already yeah 
I don't have credentials. Yeah, I don't have credibility. But I have raw skill. I have raw endurance. I have raw reliability. I can trial and error my way through anything just like I always have. And that's my true skill. That's my true power. Based on that, I don't have to be uncertain about myself anymore. And I am certain in my ability to perform, including at skills of which I don't have experience with, right? And that's what's really amazing. This is why ISFJs can end up cracking the most amazing jokes, even putting ESFPs and INTJs on notice when it comes to their ability to joke around. Very precise jokes, you know what I'm saying? Um, and sometimes those jokes are necessary for reproof or teaching, like my ISFJ mother-in-law telling my ENFP uh, uh, stepbrother-in-law that he has a big butt and he needs to not be so fat anymore. You know, for example, and then making fun of him that way, right? You know, because she sees him being lazy and depraved, that SI inferior, and it really bothers expert sensing nemesis. It really bothers SI hero to see that. Because she's getting a bad experience from him performing terribly because he won't work hard because he's stuck in his comfort zone because he's depraved, you see? And that's the value of camaraderie right there. Camaraderie, comrade relationships. So... Um, and, then, and then finally, the superego, which we kind of already talked about uh, within this lecture. The superego is a big deal because, you know, mastery, being able to master any skill. And that's what the superego is all about, is giving someone mastery. The problem is it's very demonic, and then they pick up skills for their own selfish desires, for their own, uh, you know, their own selfish shows, because ESFP unconscious just wants to show off their family or show off all the good things that they did, to force other people to give them recognition if they're recognition star, to force people to want them, covert contracts, etc. And, uh, and that's what the INTJ demon does. But when the INTJ uh, becomes angelic because they're no longer hating people, it's no longer about hatred, it's about love. Now typically, an ISFJ has hatred for others. They have hatred for others when they uh, feel unwanted. The thing is, though, is that later in life they realize, well, I wasn't exactly desirable. I was a hedonist. I had really bad habits, right? I wouldn't have, you know, and it's funny because I was talking to this ESTP on Facebook Messenger recently. He's telling me about this ISFJ girl that he was dating, and he, he broke up with her basically because she was fat. And she got really mad at him and told me he was a chauvinist and a misogynist and all that. But he's like, listen, you know, I take care of myself. I go out of my way to make sure that I'm healthy and that I'm fit. But you don't. You don't do these things, you know. And that's caused me to not want you because you need to be willing to take care of yourself. You need to be willing to have those routines and those, um, those habits every single day to take care of yourself because that's what makes you desirable. But you don't have those things. And, you know, he, and he's like, T.I. Parent, people are unequally yoked in relationships. And that's not a relationship I want. I want a woman who's on my level. I want a woman who cares about going to the gym and eating right and eating clean and eating healthy like I do. Because we're equally yoked, right? There's a Bible verse in there. Anyway, the point is, you know, and he said, you know, I didn't do this because I hated her. I did this because I actually loved her. I care about her so much that I'm going to tell her the truth. Yes, it's going to hurt her, but she needs to be hurt. And it's not my fault anyone else in her life hasn't told her 
or she's gotten so stuck in her comfort zone to realize this. Well, this created a lot of hatred towards this ESTP from this woman. Lots of hatred. But the reality of the situation is she's going to take that lesson and she's going to go out of her way to make herself stronger, which will make her more desirable. And then she'll get into a, a relationship with a fantastic man, probably an ESTP, in the future. And then she'll actually be really grateful for my ESTP friend's uh, criticism later, right? Because she won't hate that ESTP anymore. In fact, she'll actually love him because he had the guts to tell her the truth, right? And she realized, you know, all these people, and she'll realize people in my life that didn't want me, well, now I understand why they didn't want me. And now I'm not that way anymore. So I'm going to stop hating them. Instead, I'm going to start loving them, right? I'm going to stop wasting my time developing skills that, you know, are, are, you know, for example, cutting corners, right? It's when an ISFJ decides to be a stripper, you know, and instead of uh, actually, like, you know, doing it the, uh, the right way, for example, when they start cutting corners, that's the INTJ superego that causes them to cut corners effectively. It's when they realize that they need to have self-discipline and endure and trial and error their way through life instead of trying to like plan everything or learning what skills that they need now to help them cut corners you know if you get an ISFJ that's not willing to cut corners they're willing to put in the time effort dedication and have the fortitude to see it through every single day that's an amazing ISFJ that's an ISFJ worth dying for worth protecting worth wanting um, someone to give constant recognition all the time because you know they don't really care that much about achievement everyone else starts to value them value their thoughts want them desire them and they can be loyal to the correct people because the correct people are being are wanting them not people of lower quality so ISFJs you want better people in your life learn how to leverage your cognitive transitions to develop the other four sides of your mind so that you end up being desired by higher quality people. You have to first raise your quality as a person before you could be around quality people. Otherwise, you're at risk of mimicking them and taking on their bad, bad habits, their bad behaviors, and becoming just like them, whether or not they are in your life or not. And it will stick around with you forever. And then you'll be haunted by the other sides of your mind. Your subconscious will give you midlife crisis because you're not willing to break the rules and you're only doing what you should and you're only doing what is agreed upon. Well, doing the right thing, what's agreed on, right? Where you make decisions based on agreement instead of making decisions for yourself, right? Or your ESFP subconscious, where it, uh, it further enables your hedonism, you know, and cutting corners to the point where you're willing to steal for yourself and not for others, basically, from a justice point of view, where you're finding the innocent guilty and bringing more injustice in the world or your superego causing you to be very hateful and bitter towards others when the reality of the situation it was your fault all along that's the problem ISFJs have folks and if they just learn how to master their cognitive transitions through their hero function to gain responsibility through their inferior function uh, to gain you know humility but really it's all about having the courage to admit who they are and their weaknesses instead of covering up with pride, which is where it gets humility, and also to you know master their uncertainty so they can become certain in themselves for their unconscious. 
And then obviously, you know, to love others because they realize I'm so desirable now because I have loved my neighbor as myself. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what this means, guys. Like, you cannot love somebody else. You cannot care for somebody else unless you can care for yourself first. And that was the hidden message from that ESTP to the ISFJ woman that got super mad at him for him saying, I can't be in a relationship with you because you're fat and unhealthy. Right? Come on, guys. Feminism? Feminism enables women like that. It's honestly disgusting, and I can't stand it. So, you know, like, we can't, we can't be enabling that kind of behavior. Instead, we should be criticizing each other and holding each other accountable because that's what's going to make us strong, especially ISFJs, right? So, anyway, if you found this lecture useful, helpful, educational, enlightening, please subscribe to the channel or leave a comment below uh, when it comes to ISFJs. It's uh, a little distracted at the beginning of this lecture, I'll admit, but uh, hopefully the sound is good, and hopefully, uh, um, I hope this little fuzzy windjammer thing actually works, you know, who knows. The sound sounded good before I started, but then it got, like, super windy out here, so, like, I have no idea what's even going on, so who knows. Um, but, yeah, uh, I'll see you guys next month. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, Season 22 next month. It's going to be uh, ISFPs and uh, INTPs, so... All right, folks, so that being said, I'll see you guys tonight.